Good morning. Welcome back to the Flow Track Podcast. My name is Lincoln Shrike. Joined today by Kevin Sully. It is, what is it, Friday, August 28th. Kevin, I turned 30 in two days. What advice can you give me about being in your 30s? Wow. I did not know that. I have time yeah. to, to get you a gift now. Man, <laughs> best advice in your 30s, stop counting your age would be one, never yeah. do speed work if you want to walk for the next week and my other my other advice would be don't buy a house but you already ignored that, already did that so there you go yes as you know the money has been pouring out of, of my wallet and of my bank account since moving in and uh the other day my son's the air conditioning in his room stopped working so drum up another seven grand for a new air conditioner and here we go <laughs> <laughs> really can you finance uh, that yeah we're not we have a savings to not but but i'm sure you could but i i'm trying to avoid finance you know we're just we're, we're so financed right now that i'm yeah you know I, i'm just trying to avoid it i think figure if i finance everything i'm going to be financing my trips to the grocery store eventually so trying not <laughs> to but um uh well, so i we found that like yeah. for a, for a while i was like rooting that sometimes things are more expensive just because they would offer you the finance yeah. option yeah. there was that sweet spot where it was like uh, on house stuff where it was like way too expensive but not expensive enough yeah. that yeah that you'd have a finance option so they'd say hey this four thousand dollars is due when we start the work and then the other four thousand dollars is due yeah. a day later when we finish the work so yeah. good luck finding that money yeah that's fake financing that's not real financing um yeah, <clears throat> it's um, definitely financing can be good in the short term, obviously, but then you look at how much you're actually paying for something, and then it's like, oh, I'm paying way more than what it what it, what I what I'm actually signing to pay for uh, with interest. It's you know, it's just a whole bunch of fun. Sign just getting a new house. It's it's a it's a lot of things. I feel like I'm getting the full experience of getting to my 30s. You know, two kids now uh just yeah, a boatload yeah. of me constantly flowing out it's a uh, it's a joy really <laughs> you had you started having kids earlier than i did so you're you're mm -hmm. I, when i was in my 30s i still did not have a a child yet so you're ahead of me mm -hmm. so i you really you really don't need any advice you're really you're really yeah. cruising through through life uh <laughs> smoothly um yeah did you listen to the pod yesterday and were you upset when Gordon said that we're not allowed to do any rankings podcast without him or were you honored? I, I, didn't, I didn't get to his, the podcast yesterday. That makes sense. I know he holds those rankings near and dear to his heart. I try to press him on, you know, his, his rankings. We've had a, we had a memorable section about an Alabama <laughs> winner uh, two days ago. I know I, I'm just trying to find poke holes in his game a little bit. Because I know he spends a lot of times on on those rankings. I mean, that's at least what you you can find issue with certain teams or certain individuals. But know that he at least considered it for probably mm -hmm. too much time. You can be confident that he, you know, didn't just put a team or an individual in, at a place without thought. Um, so I understand why we're not doing the ranking show today, just because it could he could be protecting himself because it could devolve. If it was just me and you to to you and I just bashing him for putting a particular team in a particular <laughs> way. So he's kind of protecting yeah. himself from that by including himself in all the rankings podcasts. So I understand. 
So if you're if you tuned in for the women's team ranking, the final one we had to do, that's going to be next week when Gordon mm-hmm. can be here. I looked I looked at the rankings. They're not the women's rankings. I would not I wouldn't quibble with them. Usually when I have issues with his rankings, it's not preseason stuff. It's like five or six weeks into the season when right. I don't know. You don't have to worry. Someone's yeah, and there's no season. You know, it's like yeah. uh, it's it it, it 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 it's an it's a non-issue this time around. So the rankings seemed a bit straightforward. I might quibble with you know his order of a couple teams in the top five, but in general, sure. it's hard to argue with him. Just like with with NAU BYU, do you have a do you have a pick in that hypothetical matchup for the men? I I mean I feel like I'm always compelled to lean towards NAU. Not that BYU's win was a fluke, but <clears throat> I, when you look at, to me, if you would have looked at the BYU team for 2020, you had a few question marks. Uh, you know, Connor Mance would be coming back from an injury. I assume he's fully recovered from that. And then you had Casey Klinger come back from a Mormon mission. And they lose, a, what, like a a couple guys, at least. I think they lose Heslington and I don't know a couple other guys that were Carney. key pieces of the. See, this yeah. is this is why you got to listen. You got to listen to the show that you're on, Lincoln. You got to listen the day before because we broke this. Yeah, yeah, they lose Heslington. They lose Heslington and Carney, but they would come back with Shumway and and Klinger. Oh, Th- those two would yeah, yeah, could yeah. fill them in. So yeah, I just the ceiling seems higher for an NAU team that's got the top recruit in the country lost. Lost Jordy Beamish, but, you know, Beamish kind of famously underperformed at NCAAs uh, the last few years relative to how good he was on the track. So, uh, I mean, you just felt like another year experience with the the freshman of, of NAU and you bring back Grijalva. I think the ceiling's higher for that team. Um, it's going to be fascinating to see when these teams do resume normal competition ostensibly in 2021, you know, who's left and, you know, who's who's moved on. It's kind of something that's not really being discussed is, you know, with this outdoor season, we saw a lot of people just – say, no, I'm going to go professional. I'm not going to come back for just an outdoor track season. Well, now it's going to, you know, it's going to be more than that. Obviously, you're going to have an entire cross-country season. So are we going to see people just say, ah, I need to graduate, go pro, um, do what I typically would do if all things were normal? Or are they going to say, ah, I'm going to come back because I imagine it's going to be more of the former. A lot of people will, will graduate and say it's not worth one season just to come back. So how will that change the teams that we're talking about now is, is a question left to be answered. Well, and the longer we go without competition, the more a pro contract would be offered purely on potential and less on results. Mm-hmm. You could offer a mm-hmm. pro contract to to Jordy Beamish or to Alicia Monson or to Nia Akins because we've seen them do that. We've seen them win NCAA championships or run fast times or become all American multiple times. The longer we go with actual without actual competition, if they're still gonna give out pro contracts it's going to be a situation. Well, yeah, they they ran. They only ran thirteen forty, but that was several years ago. And their Strava updates have been great, and it looks like their training is going good. And they hopped in one race, and they got a PR. Yeah. It's going to get harder and harder for I think people who are are signing professional athletes to have any idea about who the best best athletes are to pick. Assuming we go without an indoor season as well, too, and maybe part of an outdoor season. Absolutely. You, so much. I I mean, I don't know the ins and outs of contracts and how they're determined uh, separate from just like the athletes that are obviously the best. But I mean, in, winning NCAA titles where you finish there is sure, certainly a, a great barometer of what kind of contract you're going to get. Um, <clears throat> I feel like 
particularly for the distance athletes, just, you know, knowing that maybe your PRs aren't yet competitive with, with some of the other athletes or some of the, the professional athletes, 5,000, 10,000. But if you're winning in Sibley's, it's clear that, you know, you can be on a track to being a competitive international athlete at some point in your career. So now without that, yeah, it's, it's strange. And, and as, as a transition into what we're going to talk about today, previewing the Sunset Tour, you do have some of the names we mentioned. Connor Mann's hot 10,000. Obviously, he would never do, run in August 10,000 in the middle yeah. of his NCAA career if it weren't if, if it wasn't for the current pandemic, you know, wiping out the cross country season. So maybe some athletes are just saying, "Well, I'm gonna." I mean, he is clearly trying to get a Olympic trials qualifier, um, but you know now in this time of no no season maybe athletes really trying to position themselves for a, being attractive for potential pro contract uh instead of just kind of oh when are we going to resume competition no i'm going to try to compete and make myself a viable target going into an olympic year yeah one more point on that before we delve fully into sunset tour is what percentage of the pro contracts this year were given out by on so far yeah it seems like it's like it looks like 60 percent, right <laughs> i mean they gave out a lot yeah i'm assuming they're not going to do the same thing next year every year i don't think they're going to sign uh yeah. seven eight. athletes yeah yeah eight, yeah, eight athletes I, yeah. I don't i don't think that's going to be what they do every year ergo next year there's going to be fewer contracts available because if you take out on and if you take out nia aiken's brooks contract there's not a lot of money right now flowing to these new runners. So no. you're right. This would be, and this would be one of the few opportunities for these athletes. And everybody's been disrupted by this. Every athlete has been disrupted by this, but I think the college to pro athletes have probably been disrupted more because mm -hmm. their whole focus was on indoors and outdoors, depending on what their eligibility is left. There's no, there wasn't really many scenarios where they would be competing in late August in a, U.S. meet. Even if the best possible circumstances happened, they'd been racing a whole bunch and they would have ended up at the Olympics somehow. But most mm -hmm. of these college athletes, it, it probably would have ended in the trials and they would have been gearing up either you know, to focus on the next track season as a pro or if they had cross-country eligibility, maybe going back and running cross-country. But the, these, these college athletes are in such a weird spot right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's... I, I almost wonder if, as opposed to, you know, small dual meets, and maybe that's what will unfold, but we talk about the, the athletes who are positioning themselves to go pro and, and trying to get to the trials. I mean, will they instead try to find pop-up meets as such that we'll see with the Sunset Tour live on Flow Track on Saturday uh, that uh, <laughs> that they're, they're going to try to run qualifiers and use this time, mm -hmm. you know, not just to, to have fun and run small cross country meet. Cause in the end, like, what does that actually do for you? I mean, that's, it's fun to do that, I guess. And it's better than nothing, but I, I wonder, I just seen Mance on the start list for Saturday night in a 10,000. I mean, a race that's, you know, you're, you're, you're putting a lot into you. You don't waste a 10,000 meter effort, right? This isn't qualifying yeah, for no. NCAA, the, the prelims or anything. Uh, this isn't going to Stanford invite and running 2850 just to get your <clears throat> prelim qualifier. This is 
a concerted effort with a purpose beyond just this weekend. So he's obviously trying to get his trials qualifier. So you wonder if you're going to see that with other athletes, maybe in the 1500, in the eight, in the, in the, in the, the 5k athletes that would normally be running cross country. Are they going to be, you know, do, trying to run a track season this fall? Mm-hmm. What do you expect from Chez in his pro debut at the 10,000? <laughs> well, I, He's always had a lot of potential. It felt like in the in the 10K. It's funny, you know, writing the preview yesterday. His PRs from the 2014 NCAA 10,000 uh, when he was a freshman in college. Uh, you know, we've never seen him run a hard 10,000, which <clears throat> you know he never needed to do. And or, at Oregon, he won a lot, but his regular seasons were kind of boring typically until the end of his career because he just would qualify, then you know, win Pac-12 titles, and then win NCAA titles. Uh, and, and, you know, we try to do as least amount of work during the regular season as possible. And, you know, he's someone that I would think could run 2730 or faster if, if, if that's in the cards, I don't know if it will be. Um, if, and then if you're going to try to run 2730, you would think, well, you might as well try to run 2722, the, the, the Olympic standard or whatever it is. So I, that said, I don't know, you know, who's going to be able to go with him if, if it's if it's like that. Probably no one. And if no one goes with him, we know Cesarek's not going to go after it. I mean, he just loves, even at a small meet that doesn't have a lot of significance outside of running fast, I think he just likes to win. So I don't think he's going to go solo and try to run the Olympic standard uh, unless there's somebody to go with him. And I just don't see anyone else <laughs> in the field that's capable of going that fast. So I would imagine this race ends up being – at, at, you know, a tad under 28 minutes. That that would be, to me, the the most likely outcome. And he's well capable uh, of that as a guy who's run low 13 minutes. Um, and I just think, like I said, the, the field, a lot of Americans in there trying to get the uh, U.S. Olympic trial standard of 28 flat. It, I, I imagine it'll go out in 14 minutes and then, you know, he'll, it, it may dawdle and then he'll close fast and, and, and win. We'll see though. There's been guys who have beaten him before, you know, Sam Atkins in there who was pretty close to him l- last weekend. Uh, there's some, there's some guys that are p- pretty solid in, in this field that maybe mm-hmm. don't pop off the start list like his name, but are like, Oh, you look at their PRs are like, Oh, they got a 28 low PR or they're like Connor McMillan who got fourth at USA's last year. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a walk in the park for him uh, by any means. But yeah, my my point being, lo- expectation is is something in the in the high twenty seven minutes, and uh, I I would think he he's going to win. But what what do you yeah. what do you expect in this race? It just depends so much on the weather and if they have a pacer, and I'm not sure on either. I know that's that's a bit of a dodge, but there's just a limitation to how fast anybody can go when those two things aren't aligned very well. I mean, he ran 13.21. It was warm out there, and there was no pacer, and he went – he could have pushed it, and he could have taken that thing on himself and gone full Chalimo and run a few seconds faster, but I don't think he was going to set the world on fire. What's that? Yeah, he's never done that, and it's not like he's going to go chapped a guy. And be like, yeah, I'm gonna yeah. go. go. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna drop everybody by 3K and 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 just keep going. That doesn't seem yeah. to be the way he likes to run races. I'm thinking a little bit faster than you, though. I think we'll see a, about a 27:35 because there are so many guys who can go under 28 minutes, and someone like Mance in there, and the other BYU guys. I think mm-hmm. they'll keep it a bit more honest. And if they go 
if they go out even at you know thirteen fifty, which doesn't seem to be too outrageous, then he can mm-hmm. set himself up well with a with a good negative split. I guess he would need something you know mid thirteen thirties then to get down to to twenty seven. So maybe a little bit quicker, but he looked good in that thirteen twenty one. I know it's hard to read too much into that, but that looked like him completely in control and him cruising in the same way he would win a 1345 race in college. That's how he looked winning that 1320 race. Yeah. I have not checked the weather yet for undisclosed location, California, uh, where the race Mm -hmm. is going to be. I don't know if it's the same location in, well, actually, I don't even know. I, I I assume it was Northern California, uh, that the meet was held last week and I, maybe it'll be at the same spot, but I legitimately don't, don't know where it was. And, and uh, yeah, like we, like you said, the weather was warmer last time out and that's going to be tougher in the 10 K and then it would be obviously in the 5,000. So we'll hope for, for cooler, cooler temps um, to, mm-hmm. to make it go fast. I, I just, yeah, I, with that, I mean, a pacer will be key. I don't, I don't know. In the entry sheet, <clears throat> doesn't have one lined out, but I don't think you can necessarily just say, "Oh, Connor Mance is going to be in this, so he's going to start things cooking all by himself." I mean, maybe he is, but everyone's kind of looking to follow at the beginning, at the first half of a 10k. So there, there needs to be someone in there. I mean, maybe Ben Blankenship. I mean, I think he's the most hilarious entry in this like what is ben blankenship doing in the ten thousand? just running it for fun or is he thinking about jumping up from the 15 to the 10 i mean what like i like it what it, he what are your on his yeah <clears throat> i don't expect him to lead so if you're counting on him to take yeah. the lead in this he's a miler i don't yeah. think he'll lead no the, yeah. the reason i think it'll be honest is because you have enough of a like a byu contingent there who as you said, yeah. they're not there just for fun to run a 10,000. They want to get this trials qualifier. So yeah. if you put them at the front of the pack, they're not going to go out in 1330 or anything like completely crazy. But I think yeah. they'll keep it from being – keep it uh, nice and metronomic at the front. Blankenship, I, he's the most interesting entrant. You said hilarious. I think he's the most yeah. definitely the most interesting entrant here, one of the U.S.'s best 1,500-meter runners. I mean, he made the world championship team last year in the 1,500. Maybe he's yeah. the only person who's out there just to run it, just to get a, a different type of effort in. I could see him dipping his toe in the water in the fight in the longer distances in the five thousand, uh, but a, a ten thousand would be obviously a, a huge, a huge jump. Uh, uh, yeah, maybe Stefan Hassan just started a trend, and we're late to understanding it that no one's going to run the yeah. five thousand anymore. It's just going to be a fifteen ten world. Well, I mean, if there was an event, <clears throat> if there was an event to skip or to avoid right now on, on the men's side, five thousand would be a decent pick with Lamont, Chalimo, uh, you know, uh, Woody Kincaid. And you're talking about all sub sub thirteen guys, and obviously a U.S. Championships isn't going to go sub thirteen. But it's, you know, he may think, well, if I'm ever going to have to move up as I get older, I'll probably skip yeah. the five thousand, go straight to the ten. Uh, simply because it's so it's so stinking hard now to make the five thousand team. I don't know if that's his thinking, or if he's just getting a, a really strong workout in, in in a in a good in a in a good field that's kind of you know similar to what you would see in a normal year at, at a Stanford invite or a or a Peyton Jordan, uh, maybe not Peyton mm-hmm. Jordan quality, but certainly a Stanford invite quality ten uh, k. So maybe it's just a you know a workout for him. Who knows? I don't think Blankenship has done much racing so far this year. Um, so 
He <clears> ran <throat> one of the big, he ran one of the big friendlies. Uh, a couple yeah, okay. yeah ran a ran a three thousand yeah. so working on longer longer stuff yeah yeah sure. I I'm yeah I'm I'm interested in it I think everybody who runs that ten though or that five is going to run the ten next year at the trials mm-hmm. like I expect Chil- I expect Chilima to run the ten and the five the I don't know that I don't have any information it just to me it just makes sense it's those events oh, yeah. end up being so similar why wouldn't you give yourself another yeah. chance to qualify I would I would anticipate yeah. that. Obviously, Lamong is going to do do both, unless you are just supremely confident in your ability. But the five thousand for the men, got to check the schedule again. Got to open up my tabs here, check the schedule. But five thousand for the five thousand for the men, I believe, comes first. So, um, that might that might change things. That might change things. I yeah. guess if you if Chilimo, if Chilimo makes it in the five and then he has no interest in doing it at the Olympics, yeah, then okay, whatever. But that's a little different. I mean, wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you? I mean, you have so much time in between those two things. Yeah, the men's five thousand is first. Day day yeah. one is the prelim, and then day four is the final. Mm-hmm. And then you have a so bunch it, of days off that, because yeah. it's not it's not until day the day nine is the ten thousand final. So you'd have five days off. Yeah. yeah, I feel like you knew that, but you're just checking the schedule out of out of pure habit and enjoying it at this point. You know. You know, in this weird year, it's not just the athletes that are rusty. I'm rusty too. And my greatest skill, knowing the schedule, I'm starting to doubt myself. I'm starting to have second Mm -hmm. thoughts where I shouldn't. I need to just go out and say definitively, hey, day one, these are the events for Budapest 2023. This is the schedule. This is the schedule for Paris 2024. I know it, but I need to believe that I know it. That's the key. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people probably coming back and – doing that 10,000 as a, you know, just empty the, empty the holster type of type of event, just everyone trying to either make two events or to maybe that's Blankenship's aim. Like, I, I don't know when the 1500 is relation in relation to the, to the, now I'm going to make you look for that in relation to the 10 K, but you know, maybe he says, Oh, I run 2759. Something happens in the 15. I'll just, it's, it's my mm-hmm. last ditch effort probably my last shot in an Olympics on the track. I don't know. Maybe that's not his thinking, but saying I don't have a shot in the five, but, or I can't run the five because I got the 1500. So maybe I can do, do the 10 if I miss out. I don't know. Interesting. Interesting. So you're saying because the, the, the 1500 overlaps that he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't do the 1505. Well, I mean, that's not, the yeah, that's not Crazy, accurate. It's not that's a good. Thing. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. No. If you wanted to do the the fifteen five double, I'm not looking at the Olympics. I'm looking at the trials. But the fifteen yeah. is in the second half of the meet with the ten, and the five thousand is in the first half of the meet. And the got it. The fifth the fifteen hundred meter final is day ten, um, and the the ten thousand final, um, is. Is it the same? Day? No, no, no. Hold on. Now, see, now I'm no. now I'm confused. Oh no! Oh no! Now I've lost the thread. I can't even find the ten thousand. The ten thousand disappeared. Sorry. Uh, he would have. You'd run the ten thousand, and you'd have Friday and Saturday off, and then you'd have the, the. I mean, it'd be two days. Two days rest. So it's that doesn't seem smart. You think you'd run the five thousand the first half of the meet, and then you'd be good to go. <laughs> yeah. So even Safan Hassan's like, oh, that's a little that's a little heavy of a schedule. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
Yeah. I don't know. For me, Blankenship here is kind of, it's like I, when I said hilarious, it's kind of his attitude. When If you've interviewed him before, you know there's always a certain tongue-in-cheek aspect to everything he talks about, at least in the media. Um, so I kind of feel like that that's somehow has to do with this approach. Like he's just kind of like whimsically entering this event. Like uh, <laughs> I'm sure it's just not saying he doesn't take his career seriously, but it's like what we're not going to see Matthew Centrowitz in a 10k we're not going to see craig ingles in a 10k and then maybe that's you know give awesome. credit where credit's due i mean that maybe they should maybe they should be out here in in august uh cranking out at a 10,000 to work on strength but uh the long the long point here is i'm very excited to see to see what he does in this one and i think he's got he's got some strength i feel like he maybe maybe won club cross a few years ago i don't know if my wires are getting crossed there but uh, you know he's uh, he's not going to be completely out of his element here for sure mm -hmm. yeah just the fact that he's that good in the 1500 is mm -hmm. you know pretty you can yeah. apply some of that i mean i know he he's in the same group as Hassan Mead, who's one of the nation's best in the five and the ten. So he's doing yeah. some work with him too. Yeah. Should we talk about the what the women's ten thousand next? You're running the show, man. You did the intro. You're mm. you, you got the ball oh, in your hands, here, James Harden. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that when I was the distributor. Okay. Well, when so you start, when you start, you establish yourself as as the the main point person, the, and then you got yeah, you okay, got to carry it through the whole way. I'm learning. I'm learning. Um, I'm I running here. <laughs> I didn't know if we cut to commercial. I, I'm not really familiar with back to you. No, you, you own it. We'll return. You own the This quick mess. Okay. So uh, women's up, 10,000. Update here. Update. Yeah. Ben, ben Blankenship did win the 2018 club cross championships. So I think. Yes. Good spot there. Remember, good job. Good job. can't remember when my bills are due, but you know that Ben Blankenship won club cross at some point. Great. <clears throat> okay, women's 10,000. Uh, Atsede Besa, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, knew the name was familiar. She won the Boston Marathon in 2016. She has entered here as probably the most high profile name. That said, the Ethiopian has not done a lot since 2017. Uh, appears that maybe she is on the downslope of her career at age 33. But an interesting entrant in this one. You also have uh, former. NCAA 10K champion Sharon Lochetti, former trials runner-up Natasha Rogers, uh, Olivia Pratt, who's probably not a name a lot of people have heard of, but she beat Rogers in a 10K earlier this summer. Um, and I'm slipping on the rest of the names as predictable, but uh, or as predicted. But this one doesn't have the I don't know as big a names as the men's one, but I think we could see a pretty solid race uh, amongst this field, which features a lot of names like you're kind of used to seeing on the on the like at usa's like in the the five through ten spots of finishing order right it's not the top tier it's not the emily infelds and molly huddles or anything in a ten thousand. but these are some solid runners for sure yeah and speaking of cross country natasha rogers won a big cross country mm -hmm. earlier this year mm -hmm. and then the she was on a she was on a bit of a roll early early season and then the year got disrupted. Thirty-two twenty-five. I'm guessing is going to be the target. That's that. Yeah. That trials. Yeah. Standard for them. Lachetti was cruising along. Yes. Um, last week, excuse me, in that yeah. five thousand um, before the final kick, and then she wasn't able to keep up. Perhaps with the ten thousand, 
<clears throat> kicks less of an issue. I mean, she looked pretty good up until that yeah, point. Maybe she can turn in, yeah. yeah, a big performance. But I don't. I yeah, this is a this one is a a toss up here because you want to pick someone like Visa because they won the won the Boston Marathon, but un unknown quantity on the track, especially since that was four years ago now. So yeah, anything yeah. could happen in this one. This one's wide open. Yeah, I mean, I'm leaning towards Locchetti, just like you said, because she did look so strong for a big part of that 5,000 and still ran a solid 15, 18 and beat a lot of good runners. Um, but, you know, the, the 10,000 is such an infrequently run distance. Um, and, yeah, there's just some there's some names that, that this is a, a situation or a race that, I don't know, probably couldn't take place any other time with just the names coming together uh, and – Locchetti would be the the like I said the 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 pick that I think makes the most sense. But a lot of a lot of these people, you just don't know what you're gonna what you're gonna necessarily get out of them. So I'll be excited to to watch this one as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then in the the fifteen hundred, you get to see Danny Jones again. This will be yeah. a back to back races for Jones. She was in the five thousand last week. In the, in the sunset tour, but now dropping down to her, I would, I would guess at this point, I know she's, it's weird because she's won an NCAA title in the 5,000, but I still think of her yeah. more as a, as a pure miler. Do you have that same mindset about her? Uh, <clears throat> I, I don't know. I wouldn't say pure miler. I mean, I don't, we can debate the. Pure the, was the wrong the, word. The preferred pure. miler. Yeah. Oh, preferred, preferred miler. miler. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I imagine this will be her distance at the at her primary target at the trials. Um, she did run a PR en route to a to a mile personal best earlier this season in Indiana, four oh five. That, that just she's seemed better than you know what her PR was four oh seven for quite some time. She lowers it. And she could even go lower here. Uh, I'm going to be curious to see how this is. This is paced. There's some good athletes in here, but really, Danny Jones should win this against Kayla Edwards, Dom Scott. She, you know, she's she's the primary name in, in this one based on her NCAA pedigree, and I know I, I assume she'll be hungry to come back because she had a <clears throat> pretty disappointing 5,000, 1531. I think. I mean, she fell off pretty early, earlier than you, much earlier than you would expect. I thought she would be competitive all the way to the end, and you wonder if maybe the heat got to her, or if it was just an overall bad. So I, I would imagine she's eager to run a good one here. Uh, mm -hmm. That said, we don't know what the pacing is going to be for, and uh, it's it's tough to know. I mean, there's some other names in here. Rebecca Mara just ran 201, yeah. new PR in 100, and she's actually a pretty sneaky good 1500 runner having run 408. So this is going to be a walk in the park by any means, but Jones is certainly the favorite. I think Mara should be the favorite, actually, just based on what she's done. She's been racing a lot oh, really? this season. Mm -hmm. Well, coming off what she did last year, she made the final in the 800 at the U.S. Championships, yeah. which was a big performance uh, for her. And then this year, yeah, she ran the, the 201 last week, but she's also raced you know, a bunch in those big friendlies. Mm -hmm. She ran a, a 203. She ran 1,000 out there as well. She ran a 1,500. She's been racing quite frequently. She's created this mini season for herself and really built off of the momentum that she had gained in, in 2019. So I expect her to win this race. I expect her to, to oh, smash wow. that 40, 408 personal best. Yeah. 
Well, Jones I'm buying is Rebecca Mara stock. I'm buying no, Rebecca Mara okay. stock. Good, good for you. Um, Jones has raced a number of times too, relative to what a normal 2020 season is for most people, which is like one or two races. I mean, she's had a number of number of efforts, and I just feel confident. I mean, coming off of that 405. So you would think in a mile that could be worth 403-ish for a 1500. I don't know if that'll play out here, but if Jones is ready to PR in the 1500, I don't think anyone is touching her. You know, I think the only way she loses is if it ends up being a 407, 408 race. If it's a 405 or faster race, she's she should win. I'm mm-hmm. I'm buying Rebecca Mayer's stock in the 800. I don't know as much in the in the 1500. Just she didn't have that that same level of experience. I mean. This is a, you well, know, was, you, you love when I say this, this is a loser, loser leaves town type of a race, Kevin. And that doesn't make any sense in this scenario, but I, I really but need Danny Jones to win. You're just so, de- we're just so desperate for competition that our friendship yeah. is going to end over this race. Yeah. So yeah. we are uh, putting a lot on it. No, I mean, Mara's in college, Mara was really good in the 1500 and in, in, okay. she made the, and final in the 1500 when she was running for, for Stanford. I mean, this is uh, – she was sixth in 2017. She's, she's a solid mm-hmm. runner. I think she was a little bit – she was a little bit under the radar just based on mm-hmm. when she – and which event she was in and no more. She's on everybody's radar because we're all buying the mm-hmm. stock. The stock has been – the stock yeah. has been purchased. You're right. Danny Jones has run uh, a couple times this year. But with Mara, it's just Mara, – this season for Mara – Kind of reminds me a, a little bit, a little bit of what Nikki Hiltz was doing last year. Now Nikki Hiltz was just like Ooh. winning everything, so this is a little yeah, bit, yeah. a little bit different. But Hiltz just got on that role, and she wasn't necessarily Hiltz wasn't going to like diamond leagues and running three fifty eight, but mm-hmm. she was just racking up good race after good race after good race, yeah. and then um, parlayed that into a a third place finish at the U.S. Championships and uh, eventually finals in in Doha. Not exactly the same with Mara because she's not winning every single one of these races, but. Every single effort seems to be really good. So, again, buying the stock here. And mm. I'm willing to wager your air conditioner versus my air conditioner. We'll call it the air conditioner mm. leaves town race here. Well, Mara my 20-year-old air conditioner is about to leave town for sure. Uh, no, yeah, no, your new AC. Great. I get, I get the, your I new get the, AC. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If you want to if you want to help me with half of it, you, you can, we can put it on a timeshare if you want. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting comparison. I like, I feel like that's something, if I would have made that, that comparison, you would have made fun of, made fun of it because you're saying, you know, it's not like she's winning all the time, but it's like the same. Well, I understand she has, what, what you're trying to get at. She has won some, I, I know, but, but it, it's, it's more of like the model of like, she's hitting singles as opposed to going for home runs. She's, you know, she's getting on base. She's got a high OBP right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're doing that, that puts you in position to win ball games, Kevin. And so yeah, she's in yeah. position here. She, she's she's ready to knock out that that 408 PB. It's just is Danny Jones ready to uh, ready to take take that on? I don't know. The the pacing is going to be interesting. Is this pace for a 406? That's that's the trials qualifier 406 flat. So mm-hmm. Jones already has that. So is she going to be as hungry? I'm trying to apply, apply all the cliches of of sports into this uh but you have to think that's mayra's target right is the 406 trying to get the trials qualifier and maybe run both distances if possible at the trials or you know have the ability to choose so if there is a pacer which i think there is 
that should be the the mark to to watch for. So she lost. Listen, yeah, she hasn't won everything, but her losses most recently to Coco in a thousand. She lost to Chanel Price mm-hmm. in an eight hundred, and then she lost to Corey McGee in an eight hundred. That's mm-hmm. pretty good. That's pretty good. And she's beaten, yeah. and she, like, she was not not too far behind in any of these races. I just think this will be the week when the world finally mm-hmm. is welcome to Rebecca Mara. Book it. Mm-hmm. I feel really confident. Mm-hmm. We might have to come back on Sunday morning and do a wrap-up pod of the Sunset Tour uh, just to figure out who gets the air conditioning unit. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, if I had known you were going to split it with me, I would have probably gone for the nice Series 18 model as opposed to the Series 14 model. Uh, just trying to save a buck, not, but knowing we're going to be sharing it. We're, yeah. we're not splitting anything. I'm getting both because <laughs> I'm going to win this bet. I'm going to win this bet. Uh, mm-hmm. let's do, do you want to do emails real quick? We haven't checked the old sure. inbox in a while. All right. I got yeah, it open. You don't. So I'll, I'll read them. Uh, here's one from Carl big on Luis Grijalva. He says, uh, he's just starting to reach his potential. Don't count him out as a potential winner for cross country nationals. If they run in early 2021, who would be your pick Lincoln? If there's like a February NCAA championship in cross. Well, be better positioned to answer that after Saturday. If Connor Mance runs twenty seven forty five, I'm going to easily pick him. But right now, I would still pick Mance. Uh, I he's not afraid to, you know, Grijalva. I'm not going to pick somebody like Grijalva who's coming off a fifty something finish. Yes, he was excellent in track, but I'm, you know, there's a difference clearly in track and versus cross country. And Mance just has that that special knack for cross country. It's he's still going to be my 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 pick regardless of where the race takes place and and when it takes place. Uh, he's the top returner and I, I like him. What about you? Uh Mance, yes, Mance would be my pick. But yeah. I think Grijalva would be the Grijalva would be the wild card because is he the Grijalva yeah. from that one bad race or is he the Grijalva from indoor season and all the mm-hmm. previous uh cross country yeah. successes that he had. All right, Robert mm-hmm from Fort Lee, New Jersey. He says it's never too early for some 2020, never too early for some 2021 Olympic trials talk. For the sake of this conversation, let's assume Shelby Houlihan only competes in the Tokyo Olympics 1500. For the the top three U.S. women's 5,000 qualifiers, who are your two qualifiers after Krisha Swizer? I'm curious if you'd be bullish on Shannon Robray and the other veterans, or if you'll give the edge to the collegiate athletes that have turned professional over the last three years. There's certainly a long list of potential candidates. Robray, Cranny, Purrier, Monson, Conley, Hall, Schneider, Frazier, etc. Well, Robert, I'm going to pass this one to Lincoln here first. What yeah, I, I think it, to me it's yes. I know Cranny's run well, and you know Frazier's run well, even though she's coming off an injury. I think it's clear Shannon Roberry is. We I kind of thought she was maybe going to be over the hill. That is absolutely not the case. She's had a stellar 2020 season. Uh, it's what you know, one ups herself every time. She ran 14:45 in in Monaco, that's incredible. Uh, given how long she's been around, and I, and I think she had an injury last year or you know, a little bit ago, too. And then I go Purrier, I, I, I think you know, she made a team, she made a final. Um, and then and then after that, she ran a 4:16 mile. I know she wasn't great at U.S. indoors, but who cares? Uh, I think when it matters, Perrier is going to be there, having that experience and, and being the American record holder in, in the mile. I, I, I think it's a pretty 
pretty solid group right now. I know there's going to be some discussion about who's going to do it because there's been more women, it seems like, than ever running around 1450 or faster. But, I mean, if this version of Roberry stays and, or even improves, I mean, she's nearing a lock to me to, to be on that team. And then Purrier just has the recent experience to suggest she's going to make it. And then, uh, yeah, we got somebody in Christian Swisher who's won 1426. So I actually think yeah. this summer has made it easier to decide this team over – any other team, you know, on the track. I think this one is is more clear. Assuming Houlihan, yeah, maybe she'll run it. But if she's not going to run it at the at the at the Olympics, then I think the three are, are have solidly separated themselves from the pack. Oh, I think it's, it just introduced more confusion. There's been more data points, but none of it has been conclusive because of what Roberry's mm. done, because of what Cranny did. Uh, we did the prediction show, and I don't even remember what I said because it was a while ago, and I don't know if that was before or after Robert ran what she did in Monaco, but I don't think I picked her. I think I went Schweizer, Purrier, and Cranny. I think I went with that one. I obviously mm. think – I agree. I think I think Schweizer's solid. The other person I would feel really confident in is Purrier, not just because she's already done it before but because her 1,500-meter speed right now is really good. Didn't she run a, a four-flat time trial just a couple yeah. weeks yes. ago? Yeah. So she's she's looking good. What I talked about, and this is when you were on paternity leave and also doing uh, doing odd jobs around Austin to save up for the air conditioner, like yeah. there's this there's this chaos scenario, this 5K apocalypse scenario that I laid out, which is essentially what could happen if – a couple of the favorites perhaps get upset in the 1500 in the beginning of the meet and maybe the 10K favorites, one or two don't go, combined with what we already have in the 5K and we're going to have a final where like 10 women potentially have the credentials to make the team and maybe even finish top five in the world, but they got to get there, got to get there first. And and Robert outlines just um, a bunch of those people as well too. But I mean, what happens if Huddle or Sisson don't make it in the 10,000? What happens if Shelby doesn't make it in the 1500? What happens if Jenny Simpson doesn't make it in the 1500. Yeah, it's going to be mm-hmm. exciting. Sports. Yeah, that's why I think Savannah, Savannah yeah, right. Uh, pass the ball to the man. Uh, Savannah San has identified the new marketing efficiency in track dis- long distance running is avoiding the 5,000 because everybody yeah. gets pulled into it like a black hole, whether you're a 10,000 meter runner or a 1,500 meter runner. You get sucked into the, the uh, I don't know, the funnel of the 5,000, and it becomes an impossible thing to escape unless you're Carissa Swiser. Uh, yeah, I, this there's going to be this is going to be an all-star race for sure. And maybe I shouldn't say that it's automatic. I'm kind of assuming everything, you know, you still, even in 2021, it, 10 years after she won uh, the world title, you're still assuming, oh, no, Jenny Simpson's a lock in the 1,500, which I think she is. But eventually yeah. there's going to come a day where she's not no longer a lock in the 1500. Shelby Houlihan's still a lock, but I don't know. I guess she could fall or be injured or something. Um, or yeah, she could decide it's, it's she wants to run the 5,000. Yeah, I, I suppose. Yeah, that's possible. We talked about that earlier this summer. It's just everybody's backup plan, and that makes it just an absolute cluster, you know what, of, of talented athletes. Uh, desperate to make a team and it, it's uh it, it could make for an interesting and fascinating well definitely will be a fascinating race at the trials but a highly charged emotional race where it's everybody's like this is my shot to make the olympic team and uh those are the best types of races right those are the mm-hmm. that's what you want to see at the trials is 
is, uh, you know, if Molly Huddle doesn't make the 10K team for whatever reason, she's like, well, I'm in the 5,000. This is my last shot to make an Olympic team. And and then you got young athletes coming in. This is my first shot to make an Olympic team. I mean, that, that's what you get in every event. But this one in particular has that that really a lot of athletes at the end of their career, a lot of athletes at the beginning. Uh, it's it's going to be a fun one. Is it fair to call it a loser leaves town race? Yeah, well, definitely. there's going to be multiple losers leaving town. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah. you can lose yeah. to one person and stay in town. You can lose to two people and stay in town, but you can't lose to three people. Yeah. Right. You can you know, you get, you know, you actually have to go stay in Springfield. Uh, if you lose to three people, they kick you out of your, your hotel there in Eugene. Um, yeah. Yeah. I All think right. it's definitely. Let's keep going here. Case, right? Yeah. Uh, Donnie writes in, am I the only person that thinks hurdles seven and eight are lower on the inside? Conspiracy theory. I like it, Lincoln. What do you think? In the in the high hurdles or the, the in the in I'm the guessing the, I'm guessing the four I'm guessing the four hurdles I like it oh okay okay uh, I never thought about that in my life you know we a lot of people after Warholm's 300 meter hurdles world best talked about how like there there was like one set of hurdles short from what is normally run in the 300 hurdles I guess in the U S on the high school scene like oh there was only mm-hmm. seven hurdles there should have been eight or something like that. I, I don't know well, the place, what the situation. The placement is different. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. No, it's okay. I'm, yeah. I, I'm not a hurdles truther, um, so I won't make that suggestion. Um, I think the hurdles could be any height, and Carson Warholm's still going to win. So I, I, I don't care if you know the eyeball says that that the hurdles are lower or higher. I, I, I assume they're all the same height. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justin writes in with all the marathons being canceled, except for London's elite race and knowing Gordon's connection with Mike Smith, who coaches Rupp now, Gordon should convince Mike Smith to tell Rupp he should run London. I would love to see America's fastest marathoner face the likes of Kipchoge and Bekele. Yeah. He doesn't, Rupp doesn't want that smoke. He doesn't want that smoke. Is that it? Yeah. No, I I think he's focusing, he's focusing, he's, uh, he's focusing on his speed, which I don't know when is Rupp. I'd love to see Rupp hop in this 10K on Saturday night, um, but we, yeah. you know, Rupp's supposedly going to work on his 10K, 5K speed. I don't know when, when he's at that point going to race. Is he going to run road 10Ks, road 5K? Like I don't know, but um, supposedly that's that's what he's doing. Yeah, it's disappointing not to see him there. I mean, this could be a Galen Rupp running 204 type of a race if he was ready to go. So really wanted to see him at, at, at this one, but uh, you know, maybe he thought. Am I going to find 204, 205 guys to run with if legitimately the pace up front is going to be 202 flat or something? You know, what am I going to find my pocket of guys to run with? Maybe this isn't an ideal race for me to be in to to uh, have a full marathon effort. I think at his age, he's got to pick and choose his races um, a little bit more practically than maybe he did at the beginning of his marathon career four, four, uh, yeah, four years ago. Wait, 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 wait. When was the point in Galen's rupture career when he didn't choose his races carefully? I want to know yeah, that moment. True. Yeah, you're right. Um, sorry, I have come to my eye. You're you're correct. You got me. You got me there. Uh, he he always did. Uh, uh, I don't know. Maybe Look, he doesn't. Here's the yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is this is a race. The stage is set for Bekele and Kipchoge. I'm surprised they were able to get together this deep of a field. Now, when you see mm-hmm. that deep of a field, you're, you're okay. What's one more? Let's throw, let's throw Rupp in there, and that would be awesome. But I don't think this was ever 
in his plans. So I'm not surprised that he's not there. But you're right. If he wants to run a PR, if he wants to yeah, get that 204 yeah. or whatever he is, where are the other opportunities going to come from? Yeah. This, I mean, you this seems like Chicago a fast setup. Again. Yeah. Chicago will come come around again, probably. But this was a... This yeah. was a American record type of a type of a race for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go to uh, to Jake. He says he ran a track cross country Utah State. Uh, he said he likes the pod. He says unlike most ex distance runners from Utah schools not named BYU, I actually have a great appreciation and respect for BYU. Uh, and he said, I'm going to skim a. He says he has a respectful query. Why is it that every time you talk about BYU, you always qualify their success by talking about eligibility? Yes, most of them take two years to go off on a mission. They're older than their competitors, and that can give them an advantage. I get it. Most people never quite give them the credit they deserve because of that fact. However, I'm not sure people really understand and appreciate what happens on an LDS mission. There's almost no legit training at all. In my case, I was called to serve in a third world country, the Dominican Republic. I was malnourished, contracted malaria, and lost major weight due to that, but bounced back and gained a total of 25 pounds by the end of my mission. I ran only occasionally during the entire time I was there. This is pretty much standard for most LDS cross-country athletes while on their missions. I wonder if people really think that the LDS cross-country missionaries are training and getting stronger and faster for two years and then coming off mission prime and ready to attack. took me six months to drop back to pre-mission race pace. I barely broke 18 minutes in my first 5K back. Think of a professional runner like Galen Rupp, for example. Let's say he stopped running cold turkey for two whole years and gained like 20, 30 pounds. If he tried to come back after that much time away, it would take him quite a bit to get to his previous status. He says, uh, the time away should not be mentioned every time we talk about BYU success. If anything, they deserve even more credit for somehow finding out how to lace up their spikes after that long away from the sport. I'm going to zoom ahead here. He says, uh, oh yeah, yeah. He he's commentary on running with the boys, which is good. I wish Gordon was here for this. This would be this would be a good yeah, time to yeah. bring Gordon in. I watched running with the boys twice. I've watched everything you guys put out. You do a good job, but it doesn't take a sleuth to see the bias you have against BYU. They're disrespected in the sport. They didn't even get an invite to the press wow. conference the night before NCAA's. Then turned around and thumped everyone, even your beloved Lumberjacks, by a lot. No disrespect to Mike Smith and his boys. I would be shocked if BYU repeats. NAU still has to be the favorite, but they literally rolled up every other program with runners who are barely even noteworthy. Uh, runners yeah. before that meet. No one saw that coming. I wouldn't count them out. What Isoda is doing at BYU is historic and epic. He's not gunning for a special to beat on his team, but it would sell. I just think the positive coverage on BYU needs to be more admirational, not so forced. Those are some legit boys at BYU. Love to see them get their respect. The only coverage is out there. A few interviews and one workout Wednesday, to my knowledge. Thanks for doing those, by the way. Y'all keep it real. Thanks for hearing my rant. I love to hear you respond to my message. If you get around to it, once again, keep up the great work and covering the sport we all love. Uh, you want to chime in on this one, Lincoln? Well, I'm glad that we now have Ed Eistone's burner email account. That is, that's good. Now we know we can have a direct line of communication to him. Uh, no, I, I don't ever, I, I would, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe somebody can go back through the episodes and, you know, mine anything negative or I would ever say about BYU. But I, I mean, I'm like I said, I'm about to turn 30. It's not like I, I could go join a cross country team and like have an advantage just because I'm older. <laughs> I, I don't ever say these things, at least public publicly, <laughs> about BYU. <laughs> I think you might hear you might hear Gordon say that that some things uh, in those regards. I I think their biggest advantage is the fact that you know they're they get so many kids from like 
a few programs in, in Utah, they have like a pipeline almost in Utah. That's more of an advantage other than, oh, maybe some of their athletes are 24, 25. You know, they get like basically everyone from American Fork, which is like a, a, a distance running high school powerhouse in, in Utah. And, you know, if you're a Mormon distance runner, which there seems to be quite a few, you're, you're in all likelihood going to go to BYU if you're a top level athlete. I think that's their biggest advantage not the some of the athletes are a little bit older than than the other ones because he's right I mean yeah taking two years off and we've heard it enough for me to believe it that yes on the missions you're probably not running a lot you maybe are gaining weight hopefully you're not contracting malaria like Jake but um no I don't think it's a tremendous advantage and last year was a monument upset if there can be in cross country it was very very impressive now that said maybe why they don't get as much respect is because they hadn't won until this last year, right? I mean, they had been very, very good, but they, they hadn't won until this last year. So let me, when you, when you look at it from the, from the context of last year, we were looking at NAU possibly winning four straight and everyone expected them to do that. And, you know, they gave us access, but I think we give BYU their, their proper respect, especially now after they, they won a title. I mean, they were, they were in a long, they were, they had never won before. So part of that was, was, was that maybe why they weren't giving their respect, but I, I in no way want to convey yeah. that they have a supposed advantage. I, I I don't I don't agree with that that at all. And I hope I've never never said that. If anything, that's I can blame that on old Gordon. That seems like something that would he he would say. Well, he brings up the age thing before because he find he thinks it's interesting and noteworthy. And it, and it it when you go back and you think okay, well they have the the two mission years and then they have the red shirt year and they're like, well, what year did they actually graduate high school? I think he brings up mm-hmm. more as a noteworthy point as as opposed to a specific reason for their success in general i think everybody needs to calm down about rules around collegiate cross-country eligibility you you know with whether or not it's international athletes whether or not it's um people doing religious missions whether or not it's the the red shirt year and then there's the other sometimes there's an olympic red shirt year we've seen the situation crop up before it's just going to be a little bit loose right and it's going to be people in in their late teens through their mid-20s are competing for American colleges. And that's just, yeah. that's kind of, that's that's the sport. And the whole, uh, I mean, as far as I know, any other school, if, if you want to go out on a religious mission, you could go out on a religious mission and you would have those years back if you wanted right. to do it. So I don't, right. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I don't think it's a discernible advantage. Um, if it is, other programs have different, if every program has, has certain things that work to their advantage, are, are they at altitude? Are they not? Do they have access to, to, to this pipeline or that pipeline? What's the recruiting budget, right? I mean, everything, everything is sort of on the table here. I think the problem is we try to, it's, it's almost like it's close to a just free market sort of system, but we want to put all these rules and parameters around it. Well, uh, almost like treating it, we want to treat it more like high school than like pro. And like, well, do they live in your district? You know, when it's like, no, let's just, let's just loosen it up a little bit and, and, and be fine yeah. with it. Now, when it comes to the bias thing, uh, I'll push back on that. We did not decide who was at the NCAA press conference. Uh, just, just to no, know, that no. was not a, a, fl- a flow track decision. And obviously they should have had BYU there. We had them ranked. The women's team was in the top three. The men's team was, were they second? Were they third? Somewhere. They were definitely one of the top four teams. Yeah. But some, sometimes they they pick different teams for 
for different reasons. I went to Provo last year, shot the two workouts that he's talking about, one with the men, one with women. We did a rewatching episode with the uh, championship coaches that I stone mm-hmm. for the men and then for the women, I did one too. So no, just because there's a special mate on a team doesn't mean that that organization, that media outlet is then in the tank for that team. Um, mm-hmm. Especially when it comes to Lincoln and I, because how many trips you make to Flagstaff last year, Lincoln? I've never been to Flagstaff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How involved were you in the production? Zero percent. So yeah, yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I yeah. didn't. No blame me. No blame me. I, you know, yeah. we're also going to get a. The entire NCAA is going to get a get to. Uh, I supposedly have this advantage if a lot of athletes stick around through this pandemic. Because there's going to be a lot of older athletes that are redshirting yeah. or you know not competing right now due to the pandemic, so you're a lot of teams are going to have 23 and 24 year olds if this you know if mm-hmm. they keep losing seasons of eligibility. So it's a moot point uh, in 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 my in my book, and it, it was long used as an as a reason to dismiss them. And uh, I'm you know I'm glad they're getting the credit they deserve now. Ed Eystone's a you know a great coach and. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think there's any, there's no bias on, on my end. If anything, I'm tired of NAU because we did do a thing uh, on them and it's still a fascinating program, but uh, I'm just kind of, you know, I, I don't know. I was ready for a, a season for them to be, to be co-giants next to each other and, and give them equal, equal footing, I guess. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And if you think this is just a cross country debate, just remember uh, Chris Wenke, Quarterback, Florida State, won the Heisman when he was 28 years old. So it's not a problem mm-hmm. that's an issue that's just yeah. brought up with regards to, to cross country. Yeah, you're right. They needed to win. This is this is a competitive sport. It's about winning, and especially in cross country where mm-hmm. a lot of the lead-up does not matter at all unless you produce on that day. And yeah. I love the fact that B, the B, BYU is generating a lot of, uh, to use your word here, smoke. And I like it. Mm-hmm. Like even when they weren't doing well, Rory Linklater, man, he he knew good content. He was churning it out. He was churning out great quotes. And then now when they win, they're a confident bunch. I like it. Yeah. And uh, and I appreciate the email from uh, from Jake. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. They. You know, I'm hoping the rivalry with NAU and BYU can resume, and uh, maybe we'll get a little dual meet or something at the end of the year. Maybe a, a track race. I'd love to see it. Yeah. No, it would it's good. I mean it's good that it's good that it's risen to that level, but for it to get to that level, they needed to actually they needed to actually win. And now that they've won, there you the go. game changes a bit. The game changes yeah. a bit. So And I enjoyed my trip to Provo, by the way. I was really when the season got canceled, I was bummed because I wanted to go back, go back out there. Yeah. Yeah. I understand. Dude, we all you have haven't lived college. unless you've had a Unless you've yeah. gone out to eat with Isaac Wood, you really haven't lived in the in this world. So it's like you know, it's like some people just know the food of a of a particular area. It's like traveling with a like with a culinary expert, you know. Of you know, so I understand. I understand this and that. You know, it'd be like going to Doha with me if you were a vegetarian. I would know all the <laughs> all the spots to hit up. You know, I'd be like, that's that place has the best chickpeas. That place has the best uh pita bread i mean it's just that i understand that i understand you that desire so there's a lot of things missing due to this pandemic but you know the the food the food restaurant selections are um 
a big part of it. Yeah. All right. Should we leave it there? We'll get to the other emails yeah. next week, I think. I think we can. I think we can leave it there for now. Um, I've enjoyed my little run of being the host, even though I slipped up a couple times. But uh, until Monday, I am Lincoln. He is Kevin, and we will see you next week.